0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: All right, and happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman, live on your radio, hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 24th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful, restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. All right. There you have that. A quick recap is in order, ladies and gentlemen, of yesterday's broadcast. We had our guest on, Mr. Kirk Cosby, a discussion of all things liberty, localhoneyman.com. We talked about Donald Trump, quote, I created, true social, and then he calls his um, company TMTG, um, to stand up to the tyranny of big tech, says President Trump. We live in a world where the Taliban has had a huge presence on Twitter, but yet your favorite American US president has been silenced. So, anyway, Donald's company created a partnership with Rumble back in December as well. The social media platform, believe it or not, is currently in the top three available apps on the App Store. Truth Social adopts a similar interface to Twitter and is designed to be a huge competitor. With dominant social media platforms, shares of Trump's media company spiked early Tuesday and are doing quite well ever since following the successful launch of his media app. Wow. Anyway, we talked about Tulsi Gabbard. She's going to speak at CPAC as well. Some are saying, why are we letting her speak? Well, she has sharply criticized the swamp, the leadership of both the Republican and the Democratic parties. She's been pushing back on rhetoric that she calls divisive. Amen to that. We also talked about the Pentagon considers deploying the National Guard in Washington to help with the trucker convoy response, according to the Epic Times. I believe it's a fool's errand for the truckers. I believe they're getting set up for a trap. I know people have a right to peacefully assemble. I get it, but I'm telling you, I don't think this trucker convoy is going to go well at all. We also talked about one-fifth of Gen Z adults in America identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and queer. Yeah, 7.1% of the U.S. overall in terms of adults identify that way as well. Uh, I believe that they're playing games with our genes, folks. They have a way to turn on uh, the gay genes. I know they came out scientifically and said there's no such thing as a gay gene, but... Uh, Bill Gates is speaking out about a God gene or a religion gene, saying, hey, we we have the ability to turn off people's propensity towards religion. And uh, this is very strange. You combine that DNA manipulation, turning on and off genes in the human body with vaccines, combine that with uh, the COVID. You know, I'm convinced they're targeting people. I, I don't know what's going on here, but it's getting out of control. Anyway, we then second hour had our guest on, Mr. Jack Frost. He's executive director of the Sacramento Taxpayers Association, SACtax.org, S-A-C-T-A-X.org. He's also the president of ProSmallBiz.org. That's B-I-Z, by the way. And we talked about the incredible efforts they're making to reduce taxes. We talked about the Constitutional and Sheriffs, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association CSPOA training that's going to be taking place in Northern California. It's for sheriffs deputies, law enforcement, elected representatives, and citizens who all want to understand the Constitution and the responsibilities of the Oath of Office. It's going to happen when you say April 2nd, 2022. Register today, guerrillalearninginstituteorg slash CSPOA. guerillalearninginstitution.org slash CSPOA. We also talked about the greatest 10th Amendment decision ever rendered, the rule of law, which law do I follow, the Bill of Rights, not in my county, California Constitution, the plan of action, what are we to do, all those, ladies and gentlemen, were topics discussed with our guest, Jack Frost, in the second hour yesterday. We then talked about Corporal Bulford resigns from his positions as, quote, personal security for Justin Trudeau. Uh, literally, this Canadian uh, Mounty just says, I can't take it anymore. They're violating rights everywhere, and I can't be part of it. What a tremendous leader. He doubles down on the Canadian Constitution. He doubles down on his oath of office. He doubles down on what's right and wrong and moral. And I, I mean, the guy just gives an incredible speech. We aired that speech on your radio yesterday. We finished up by talking about is Slack down. You know, Slack is the big business service used uh, for most communications, right? In America today, everybody uses Slack in business, right? A quick instant messenger, DM, if you will. Anyway, Slack down, the messaging service, suffered major outage, and they don't know why. And uh, that's kind of a strange deal to not know why, but I guess it's back online. Hopefully they'll get more intel soon. But when these big corporations have downtime, whether it be you know Slack or uh, Amazon or Microsoft Services or you know whatever, Google, it is just a disaster in the marketplace. We depend on this stuff so much these days, it's shocking. All right. We're gonna have Brian Rust on in a couple of minutes here with the Honest Money Report, but in the meantime, a growing number of experts call on US government to recognize natural immunity. That's right. A growing number of experts expecting the U.S. government to recognize natural immunity. They say the CDC vaccination schedule should incorporate prior infections, experts now say. the Theepictimes.com with this piece. Um, this is huge. Zachary Steber with the piece. And uh, this is really important folks this is really um a growing number of experts are saying hey we got to have natural immunity recognized you know what when you get COVID-19 you get natural immunity but I don't know what that all means more experts are arguing that the CDC the Center for Disease Control and Prevention recommended a vaccination schedule um it should feature fewer doses or none at all for those who have received or uh, experienced COVID-19 Natural infection, they say, should count as two doses. Dr. Paul Offit, O F F I T, professor of pediatrics at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He's also an advisor to the Food and Drug Administration on vaccines. That's what he told the Epic Times. Offit and two former FDA officials stated. In a recent op-ed that requiring people who have been infected to get three shots is a waste of valuable doses and is unnecessary. And it's a risk at worst, given the fact that vaccines do indeed have side effects, they say, albeit rare ones. Under current CDC guidance, all Americans 12 and older are advised to get three doses of the, quote, Moderna-Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines. The CDC defines fully vaccinated as those who received two shots of the Moderna Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine or the single shot the Johnson and Johnson jab. The CDC's guidance isn't quote binding but is cited by companies and jurisdictions when they talk about vaccination mandates. Many mandate or many yeah, many mandates force workers or residents to get fully vaccinated including the booster because of waning protection. Few have exemptions, even those who have natural immunity. Eric Tobley's founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute, wrote in a separate op-ed that the increasing number of studies show how long-lasting natural immunity is should prompt the C2C to redefine fully vaccinated in two ways. Those who've gotten a, quote, primary series and not been affected, those need a third dose. Those of the prior infection should only need one shot, they say. Recent research on the matter includes a study funded by Johnson & Johnson and the U.S. government that found that previous infection alone provided 90% protection against moderate to severe COVID-19. The vaccine only provided 56% protection Anyway, there's also a paperback by the CDC that found the natural immunity has more power than the vaccines do. Some experts, such as Dr. Offit, push for what's known as, quote, hybrid immunity. They point to papers that suggest the people that have been affected and go on to get a single vaccine dose are better off, better protected than those with prior infections who remain unvaccinated, including this Cleveland Clinic study, Published earlier in February, David Bulwer, I think is how you say his name, a professor of medicine at the University of Minnesota, agrees. Anyway, Bulwer said that he's worried that not everybody who contracts COVID-19 will develop an immune response. Anyway, they go on and on and on. But the bottom line is experts are saying, hey, man, you know what? The CDC needs to get with the times. Their data is out of sync with reality. A growing number of experts call on US to recognize natural immunity as part of the solution. And you know, you kind of wonder with COVID going on for literally two years now, how many people have a significant degree of natural immunity? I think it's an open, honest, fair question. Don't you? Alright, quick pause, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Rust of RustCoinAGift.com. back with me in minutes on your radio.
2: If the COVID-19 shot is safe and effective, then why are 20% of healthcare workers refusing to get it? If the COVID-19 injection is safe and effective, then why is big tech silencing anyone who opposes it? If the COVID injection is safe and effective, then why is our federal government's reporting system recording over 14,000 deaths from the vaccine? And an additional 650,000 plus serious adverse reactions. If the COVID shot is safe and effective, then why did Dr. Gert den Bosch, recognized as one of the world's chief vaccine experts, risk his entire career and his reputation to plead with the medical community to immediately halt all COVID-19 vaccinations, calling mass COVID vaccinations an uncontrollable monster? Doesn't sound very safe and effective. Maybe it's time to call a spade a spade. At no time in history have the people forcing others into compliance been the good guys.
3: Paid for by Ammon Bundy for governor. VoteBundy.com.
2: Song
1: to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio. I got Brian Rust of rushcoinagift.com with me. Rust coins and family for generations have been working to help you understand and get obtained precious metals little by little, if you will. rushcoinagift.com, it's a strategy. To stabilize your portfolio, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, constitutional currency acts as a hedge against inflation and stagflation and deflation and government manipulation. And wow, I feel like a rapper. I can get all these uh, all over the nation, and it's all about the sensation of, you know, anyway, I joke. But, I, you know, hey, we can make a difference, ladies and gentlemen. The rappers always do that. It's like um, the nation and the celebration and the, you know, hydration and the, anyway. We got to bring on Doctor Money, ladies and gentlemen. That's my nickname for Brian Rust of RussQuinnGift. Welcome back, Doctor Money himself. Thank you much, Sam. Glad to be with you. What do you think of my nickname, Doctor Money? Is that good for you? Yeah,
5: well, there you go. I, I chuckle on that, but yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah.
1: You just tell your uh, your family, "Hey, man, I, I'm now a doctor. <laughs> right. Doctor Money, man. Yeah, honest Holy money man himself." Ladies and gentlemen, we yeah. need an honest money report right now. Where's gold sitting, sir? Uh, gold is nineteen sixty twenty 20 at the moment. Nineteen 20. That's up, isn't it? It's about $80 higher than last time we met. Yep. Nineteen sixty 20. All right, silver? Silver's at 25 40. It's up too, huh? Yeah,
5: it's up a couple dollars. Since we met, it should it realistically though should be reversed instead of the two five it should be five two. That should be closer to where, well, where we we should be.
1: You're saying it ought to be uh, fifty two (laughs) dollars.
5: Yeah, at least twenty five. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I look I look back on you know you look back on history and and we learn from history and so on, but it also it also exposes kind of the um the game that's being played i mean you know you go back and and the threat of war or or uh you know the debt and 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 other factors that come into play well that that tended tends to you know would have tended to to have moved the metal um you know based on those kind of news factors but as as we see with news i guess it doesn't matter really what the news is that they you know i guess that's why it it's held down is because the news uh the news media out there that uh, you know that we hear all the time on tv and and others seem to suppress su- suppress uh the metals and every other illegal thing that goes on that they don't report on or or so on or turn a blind eye so in history, it would have moved. It would have, We would have been at fifty. Year, I would say, a couple of years ago, this pandemic, everything you know, it's going on. But on paper, it doesn't say that, does it?
1: No, for sure. And they got a lot of manipulatability. Let's be very clear about that, ladies and gentlemen. They don't have a hundred percent though. They can't just completely control everything, because there's factors. Uh, and even on paper, they have a lot of manipulatability on paper. That's why it's so suppressed. But at the same time, they've kind of got to let it flow a little bit with reality, too, uh, because there are wise investors. There are re- wealthy people who do understand gold and silver. And if they're not very careful, a lot of those people literally flee to those uh, precious metal reality stabilizers. Um, that happens often. And when that happens, they got to be very careful, too. So they don't have unlimited control, Brian. They just have massive right. control. You know Right, no, that, that's you are true. That is that is
5: very true.
1: Yeah, because when when everybody else gets scared, they flee into metal. Brian's just sitting there going, "I've been here the whole time, people." Right. <laughs> that's, uh, there you go. All right. Uh, what about rhodium I, I for Kirk
5: Crosby? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say we ought to jump into rhodium. Rhodiums. Uh, we're, we're pushing uh, close to the twenty thousand. It's at nineteen thousand eight hundred. Yeah, Kirk's just getting rich, isn't he? <laughs> that's right. He's got he's got the the rhodium and the honey, liquid gold. He's got so, yeah. He's got
1: the juice, man. You know,
5: but that's <laughs> that's where he <laughs> he's at.
1: He's set. That's right. For the rest of the folks like me, I'm kind of a silver guy out and just twenty five dollars and forty cents an ounce stuff, that's uh, no, which I agree is way down, but. I agree, it's way down. Where is a silver eagle, silver dollar sitting though? If you get a brand new twenty twenty two baby, what is that looking like?
5: Yeah, they're they're thirty seven dollars.
1: So I still got to pay a what a twelve dollar premium. So a fifty percent premium is that what that is about? Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. Think about that—a fifty percent premium. So you got the spot price, you got the government, what do they call that price of a silver eagle silver dollar that you can actually buy one for right now? What's that price called?
5: So so the the well, I mean basically your price on on that is reflective of demand really. I mean, you know, the demand for metal and and then the met, and the and you have the, your government institutions who are producing for instance, ours is the silver eagle, you have a Canadian maple leaf, you have Australia kangaroo's, you China pandas. There's each country uh, competes a little bit on that metal market, trying to produce a, a nice piece. And then then you but, have. But what
1: do they call that uh, price though? Because when the government says it says a dollar on it, when spot's twenty five dollars right. and forty cents or whatever it is, and then it costs thirty seven. What do they call that price? Is there a name for it? Oh, uh, I
5: don't. I don't know. I, there probably is. I'm trying to think uh, the name. I mean, cost of production or. Um, yeah, what would I guess? Um, <laughs> what is the price basically? Um, called I'm not I mean, sure if
1: they got a name for it or not, but I bring it up because, man, you know, if we're gonna in, in the order of fake news and stuff, I'm t- I want the real price to stand up, you know? Yeah, I, oh, I got to demand that um, we get them for a dollar, Brian. Yeah, that's right.
6: Well,
5: realistically, the I mean, we we see a price that, uh, I mean, it's I guess driven by, I mean, just like anything, realistically. Um, I mean, if it costs X amount of dollars to produce fuel or X amount of whatever, I mean, the cost at the pump or cost at the to, to heat your home or the cost of whatever is is reflective of of other costs down the chain. And uh, so, yeah, it would be nice to have a dollar. I mean, uh, one of the, the issues that we you know we have the fiat currency because of of uh, the Feds who who have the ability to create this, this currency. And so what does it cost them to make a dollar bill? Right. Or what does it cost? You know? And so it seems like it's fairly inexpensive and, uh, and yet we pay billions when you, you figure interest and everything else to, to do that. So, yeah, we shouldn't have that. uh, We should have had continued with our constitutional currency and perhaps we'd be in a better place.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me just put this reality check to you. In 1962 range, they pegged the price of gold at $35 an ounce. Correct. Now, ladies and gentlemen, because we've been betrayed and ripped off for the last 60 years, now it costs $37 an ounce to buy, no, not gold, sorry, (laughs) silver. Thirty-seven dollars an ounce. So from 1962, gold was thirty-five dollars an ounce. Now silver is thirty-seven dollars an ounce. How long will it be till copper is thirty-seven an ounce? Right, right. Isn't that really the devaluation question? question?
5: Right. So I mean, you look at you, you, you know, gold is is this value, and then you say the poor man's gold, silver, and then I guess the poor man's silver is copper, and so because you know, kind of weeds some people out; they can't afford. And that would escalate obviously as the demand goes. So that that's why I say the real value of this based on all the factors would be on silver, would be, let's say, $100 an ounce. I mean, we're, um, you know, and then copper would rise. And, and yeah, I mean, the demand for copper and electrical and other things. And so, yeah, that's the real value, like you say. I mean, it's, you know, I remember, you know, that, that I guess the added, The thought process would be, okay, well, boy, I remember when silver was this, or I remember when, well, copper now is this, or, yeah, like you say.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm calling this headline The Losing Battle to Fix Gold at $35 an Ounce. Mises Institute and others have highlighted this reality check uh, as well, and it's critical to understand because, look, ladies and gentlemen, that's where we are. and They want you to believe the economy is strong and thriving or coming back or doing better or whatever else, and, and now gold that used to be pegged at $35 an ounce, now it takes silver $37 an ounce. But gold's up there at what price did he say? 19, what? Huh. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 1960, 40? $1,960. <clears throat> wow. Oh, it's 1960, 20. Good work, Ryan. That's right. $1,960.20. <laughs> In 1962, it used to be 35 bucks, ladies and gentlemen. And people tell you gold's a bad investment. Hang tight. Brian Rust, honest money man himself, a.k.a. Dr. Money on your radio.
0: Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
7: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
3: The invasion of Ukraine by Russia's military has begun. Russian President Vladimir Putin went on TV to make the announcement of war, and a full-scale invasion followed shortly thereafter. U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Linda Thomas-Greenfield spoke at an emergency meeting in New York Wednesday night.
0: The United States and our allies and partners will continue to respond to Russia's actions with unity, with clarity, and with conviction.
3: The two prosecutors in charge of the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal investigation into former President Trump and his business dealings suddenly resigned Wednesday. A spokesman for the District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, confirmed the resignations of Kerry Duane and Mark Pomeranz. They were charged with running the investigation on a day-to-day basis. It's being reported the grand jury investigation has stalled with no sessions in the last month. USA Radio News
1: Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is
2: right for you. Or visit colagard.com. I'm in. The
3: Russia hoax investigation that led to the John Durham special investigation revealed last week, the Hillary Clinton campaign spied on candidate and then-President Trump, leading to years of misinformation by mainstream media.
1: While Hillary Clinton and many Democrats are attempting to downplay the latest
0: revelations from special counsel John Durham's court filings, former President Donald Trump is becoming a bigger believer in Durham's investigation, though he was angry with him just over a year ago.
1: Work slowly and... A lot of people were really angry but he he has brought out some devastating blows and if you really look at it if you know what this is all about that's just a foundation That's a foundation for some very, very big stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm getting to be more and more impressed with Durham.
0: Speaking on the Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton show, the former president also was asked if he would be running again for the presidency and said, I can't answer that now, but I think you'll be very happy. From the Washington Bureau of USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt.
3: We are USA Radio News.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Brian Rust, RustQuinnagift.com. Brian, a.k.a. Dr. Money. Democrats pushing cashless currency, Brian. They're pushing a cashless currency legislation. That's according to Forbes report. They say China's digital money to be used as ultimate financial censorship tool. Uh, What do you think? Feds are pushing for uh, fake money now but digital fake money
5: yeah i think that's been going on uh, process to do that uh for quite a while now i read something you know obviously with this uh, same scenario here with russia and 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 they're uh you know jumping across the border there and, and fighting and attacking at this point uh, you know it's it's uh you know we're seeing this trend of de-dollarization which you know obviously everything you know that petrodollar and so on that means that that, uh, across the world they're using the u.s dollar in this trade uh, synopsis where obviously this would is is a factor and and obviously we wouldn't want russia to go in there but one of the big factors is the fact of they don't want to use our dollar anymore to trade and so that's one of the other things i guess we look at and that's kind of what the push is you know i was reading an article or something he you know this um craig hemke from uh um I think it's brought Money with News. He basically said for precious metals and commodity investors, why the movement toward de-dollarization is so important is because the global reserve currency and its use in international settlements creates massive demand for it. So the U.S., uh, they talk about this SWIFT, Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunity. If, if the dollar obviously goes away – and you've got other countries that, you know, looking at, at basically not using the dollar, and that affects us, and, and perhaps that dollar at that point crashes. And, and I think maybe the game is, that okay, well, maybe we go digital and don't need the dollar, and now everything's, you know, on that little card that we swipe. And I think there's a lot of factors that could be another big problem. So, anyway, I don't know if I made any sense. but <laughs> You're making total
1: sense. <laughs> U.S. House proposes – legislation for what they call contactless, cashless payments. Ladies and gentlemen, they're pushing this to the, quote, digital dollar. They're literally forcing this upon you, what you call Federal Reserve digital wallets, and they're doing it because of the COVID, Brian.
5: Yeah, that's right. The COVID, the COVID's created that. I think we, there's been talk of that for a long time, well before the COVID, but yeah. I guess COVID's a way to let's use COVID to implement this. I, I just think that you know the control right now as it is is, is uh, you know it seems like there's just more and more of uh, watching this and seeing what's what and so on. Well, I guess if if it's all digital, then I guess I think a lot of people I've talked to people and a lot of people are nervous in the fact of okay, well if it's just digital, I mean they'd lock my bank account because they don't like who I am or. You know, it's like these parents that go to the the school board meetings. You know, then they identify them as 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 this uh, um, what's the word? <laughs> the the they're bad people. They're terrorists, basically, whatever they're going to call them, and so on. Well, does that mean okay? Well, let's let's lock their financial system down so that you know put some pressure on them there. Maybe they'll they'll get in line and and not be. Um, outspoken or whatever it is and so i think there's a lot of people are nervous in the fact of okay and i think that's one of the reasons why they you know another reason why you have metal that you that in your hand metal that you could barter or walk down the street and trade or gives you a little more peace of mind but yeah i hope it doesn't go digital but that's probably the push
1: there you have it ladies and gentlemen i believe it's serious business Folks, this going to a digital currency by your government literally it'll virtually push out all other uh, digital currency for the most part. In other words, any other, um, uh, what do you call it? They're all it's all fake money, but what do they call those digital currencies now? Cryptos, it'll really push out all other cryptos, right? Right, because uh, here's the problem. How can these other currencies exist? I mean, they might exist in the dark web. They might exist in the fringes. But once the United States develops a, quote, digital dollar, how can any other currency compete? In fact, what they'll probably do is say, hey, you're not allowed to have your own dollar, digital dollar anymore.
5: Right. Yeah, a little more control. That's exactly right. And, and, uh, and, and yet, yet the government has done such a great job uh, controlling so many things we should just really buy into this I, I think uh, um, maybe not I, I, I just I think we're a little bit nervous I mean you, you, you know it's a mess at the top and and that's the problem I mean we're spiral you know spiraling down because it's a mess they you know they' say this and do this and then that ah, doesn't work and they'd say this I mean it's just I, I don't know you know right's wrong wrong's right um there's just so much corrupt corruption there. That I think people are, are are nervous, yeah, pretty scared of kind of what's going forward. So, and the cost, what? what's the cost, Sam? I mean, we've got what at the pump. It's going to fuel and and food and you know everything's climbing at you know already high and is it going higher? Probably.
1: Yeah. Is there any way to fight against the cashless society, though?
5: Well it's a good question I mean when they control the the monetary I mean and and so on they kind of push their agenda and what they want and and it's like everything I mean is there a way to control uh, you know our you know our politicians that we send back there is there a way to get them to do as we would like them to do or just back did they get back there and it's a good old boys club and you either do it this way or or you're out and you know, they, they speak from their lips that they, they care about the people, but yet the people are saying, well, we don't want this to happen. And so it seems that they, they, they're they deaf to the fact of, okay, well, we're not really hearing the people, or do we want to hear the people? So I, it's a good question, you know, one that we, we keep talking about.
1: Because the Democrats are pushing ca- cashless currency legislation, and I just wonder, you know, ladies and gentlemen, how do we fight against a cashless society? That's a real interesting question that I haven't heard a lot of people answer. You know, on one hand, you could say, well, hey, just use dollars. Do all your business in dollars. But, Brian, that's just the core fiat currency, though. That's just a launch-off point kind of currency. That's following them into the fiat currencies. I mean, what's the difference between a dollar and one and the other one? Well, Sam, you can't get locked out. Yeah, you can. Because all they got to do is say we won't take your dollars anymore only cashless we have touchless transactions because of the COVID, and therefore you know what i appreciate that you have dollars under your mattress but it doesn't count here you can't buy groceries here you can't whatever here right and so even if you think you can go back to the fiat currency that ain't the answer that isn't a solution either is it brian no i don't i don't think it is i think one one of the factors we look at is if you go back
5: and i guess how we were Brought up in a sense, okay. What was your monetary system as you were brought up, and what did you use, and and, and so on? I think today your younger generation—they got no cash. They just walk in and yeah, it's a card, right? They they have this card and and uh, or they've got Venmo or they got—I mean—which is other card or whatever. I mean, it's they cash. I mean, realistically, I guess if we go another ten years or so on, is there going to be people? Well, what's cash? I've never even seen cash or I've never heard of cash. I don't know. I mean, is it or or silver coins well you guys I mean, coin, I mean you know maybe that's where we're headed just you know simply it's you know i grew up and, and we had the metal and we we used it we used it for to buy things and and uh, and then we you know we backed this currency supposedly it was supposed to be back so if you make x amount of currency you had x amount of gold and silver and so on that was backing this this product and that they were putting out and now what i mean you, this obviously on this card they can make these cards and i guess they're the last the that's that's kind of where we're headed i guess next so i mean i've i've heard of the fact of okay you'll have a little chip in your butt, in your finger or in your arm or something and you, your hand and you can just it's just right there you just put your finger over there and kind of like a fingerprint i guess and it'll transact the transaction i guess at the pump or at the wherever
1: Who knows? One of the big Rothschilds, you know, the big banking cartel families of old, basically made a very interesting statement about this. I care not who controls a nation's political affairs so long as I control the currency. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Think about that. Right. Mayor Angel. Rothschild is who said that ladies and gentlemen but you think about that and it's true you know they don't care about all the political affairs or whatever of a nation so long as they control her currency that's a serious uh, indictment if I've ever seen one but yet you know what all of our um, what do you, what's the word I want to use all of our concerns are just going to be swept aside as conspiracy theory yeah right they're just going to ignore us completely and just go oh you're just a whacked out conspiracy but when they lock you down and you can't get into your bank account you're going to have echoes of our voices on your radio
0: the spirit of the american west is live and well in range magazine
1: All right, back with the live Brian Rust, Sam Bushman on your radio. I made this quote right before the break. I care not who controls a nation's political affairs so long as I control her currency. Rothschild, one of the banking families, said that. And I think this is the the warning that we're giving, ladies and gentlemen. The government's moving to digital currency. The government's moving to cryptocurrency, whatever you want to call it. And I'm telling you right now, they will flush out all competitors. Uh, and this is um, where they've literally let these digital currencies flourish. Because if the government came out with the digital currency right away, everybody would be like, no, nah, I don't think so. But when they let the, quote, free market supposedly take the lead, now everybody's accustomed to, acclimated, if you will, or acclimated to the uh, digital currency or digital world. Now you can't live without it. And so now the government's just basically jumping into that void or that vacuum there and saying, hey, we'll just uh, – you know what we'll rise all boats and then eventually hey you know what we don't we can't have these other imposters in our system uh sounds like a conspiracy theory but i think it's more reality than we might admit right?
5: yeah i think you're right i mean it's uh <clears throat> you know now it's kind of in place but boy you know they look at this and and uh, think okay well well we sure could you know could solve a lot of issues you know right i mean if if you feel like that you don't owe X amount of tax and you're not paying X amount of tax, they just take the tax. This is what you owe. And this is what we're taking. And so I guess it's, and on a car, they, what does it just push a button or just kind of, but uh, yeah, I get, you know, it's, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, in the scriptures it talks about, you know, Satan allows, you know, there's a little truce here and so on that he allows to kind of, you know, that he, you know kind of talks or, or favors and but he twists that truth and he changes it a little bit and slowly by slowly and slowly he leads you down to hell well it seems like yeah i mean if the government kind of yeah kind of now we'll let them kind of run forward with it and then we'll just kind of take it at the end and we'll slowly lead you down to bankrupt
1: or whatever it is this <laughs> is words. this is where kurt cosby would say other than that it's not so bad brian <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, wow, I love
5: Kurt. That's right. <laughs> All right, I kind of wonder right. where a
1: couple of things are going to shake out on this. Um, I don't know if you know, but there's a headline from the Epic Times that says this: Chinese state-owned or controlled media accidentally releases censorship rules on Ukraine, Russia coverage. So now you've got the Chinese blatantly admitting they're censoring what people see and hear and believe and everything else. In America, they're doing the same thing without a doubt, because if you ask the Ukrainians or you ask the Russians, you get different, completely different stories of what's going on over there and everything else. Uh, but the real bottom line for you and I, Brian, is that, you know what? When we go to war, they can't force, manipulate down the price of gold and silver near like they can in peacetime, can they? No, it's
5: it's going to uh, usually panic. You know, turn turn people turn to, you know, hard, these hard assets and so on, just simply because it, yeah, I mean because they're they're nervous. Uh, but yeah, they don't have that control. I mean, we're going to see it kind of where it should. Well, it, we're starting to see the trend up, and it it it'll go. I believe as 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 more and more people just yeah, I got to get my money out of this and get my money into this and so on as that changes. You know, and I get you know the, the, the one of the factors too is is. You know, we we being in a place, you know, the U.S. being in a place that, that would would uh, stand to help and to, to lift, I think most countries now look, well, who is the U.S.? I mean, they're weak, they're, you know, they look at us not the, in the same light, perhaps. And, I mean, what's next? Is China going to invade Taiwan? I mean, is that the next... I mean, see, they, they don't care so much about what the U.S. is saying as far as, no, you don't need to be doing that. We'll put sanctions. Well, I think they're, but we, we look at kind of what these sanctions are, what we are proposing, and I think they just look at, okay, we'll do what you're going to do. We're not really worried
1: about you anymore type thing. So, yes, and how long will it you know, be till two or, th- or three or four of these countries gang up together and say, hey, we're going to sanction you, America. You're right. not going to buy any more goods right. from the nation of China. You're not gonna, and and then they use their own currencies along with a sanction at the same time, and then they open up uh, several invasions, you know. China invades right. Taiwan, um, Russia invades Ukraine, um, you know, whatever. Uh, if they were to launch a few wars at a time, plus uh, sanction us, and then they were to team up and work together on a currency against the dollar, would be in serious trouble overnight, Brian. I don't mean to preach yeah, to the but this we would. No, you're 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 right, and and the factor is is we put
5: ourselves. Th- this is one of the things that I think you know we need to look at a little bit. Is not a little, a lot of bit. Is, is we've allowed we've allowed to put ourselves in just in their their hand. I mean, in, in a sense, we're going to allow you to do all pharmaceutical eighty for ninety for whatever it comes from China, or or technology. This technology is coming, and we rely on these chips and we rely on this and we, we, and fuel and so on, Russia, why don't you, you know, we'll allow you to, to run the pipeline now and, and, and oil, we'll rely on you. So we're relying on these other countries. We we've taken, you know, the farmer away. We don't need you to have food anymore. We're going to let the rest of the world bring the food in. Well, we're relying now on all these countries, just setting a huge trap uh, for us to, well, they just, well, we're not going to give you the food, or you're not going to get these goods and services, and you're not going to get – I mean it's really – we're in a bad situation. And, and, you know, I think Trump was trying to, to at least you know, get ourselves in a good spot, and now it seems like as soon as he was out, Biden turned the tides, and we're not in a good spot in a lot of factors. And that's why the price of goods and everything, and perhaps we won't even we'll have to ration food. Who knows? But it, it, it doesn't look good.
1: Well, and it might even be a scenario where these countries don't gang up against us, or maybe it's not a political discussion like that. Maybe it's a natural uh, disaster that causes it, some kind of weather, you know, or whatever. Maybe it's uh, the COVID where we got to lock down the borders because people are getting sick, and so we've got to, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of scenarios that come to mind, some of them more hostile, some of them more maybe conspiratorial than others. Uh, But either way, though, setting ourselves up for this, I would call it, believe it or not, in eventuality. Setting ourselves up for this eventuality doesn't seem wise. But you know what? The more we ring the alarm bells, the more they just say, oh, you guys are nuts, you guys are kooky, you guys are crazy. <laughs> but then they're going to come back and say we're right like they always do, Brian. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's,
5: that's the writing on the wall. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy that, uh, you know, they say this. And then it happens, and what, I mean, do they, oh, okay, sorry, we made a mistake. No, they just can't, they go to the next thing. What's the next thing to divert the, the mindset over here? We don't want them to think about this, that we were wrong, and we made, you know, and it keeps, I don't know. I, it, it, it's unbelievable, but yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> well, everybody's talking about the great reset right now, uh, and that would not only be currency, that's really, the great reset refers to everything. Uh, in our society if you will the problem is we keep hearing about the great reset but yet most people don't don't see it uh in their day-to-day lives yet uh what do you think is going to happen on this great reset is it going to be a a timing thing is it going to happen piecemeal uh is it going to be one day we're going to wake up and be in the middle of it what do you think
5: yeah i i think that's usually the case i mean usually you know, it's it's panic. When it gets to a panic mode, is when everything starts. Oh, whoa, this is starting to hit real hard here. And I and I think at that point, you know, we're now what's happening. Um, and 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 uh, can we make the changes quickly, or can we, you know, change the the tide here? Yeah, I, like you say. Uh, um, in the past, you know, I I remember where we had to in, in at a store. We just had to lock the door. We'd let four or five people in and try to you know deal but there's a line i mean we just couldn't meet demand of of kind of everything that was going on and that's that's panic i mean when it gets to panic now there's lines there's everything else they've got my money in the bank i mean as you look at other countries and so on they're waiting in line to get perhaps some of their their financial out of the bank so that they can survive and yeah panic when it gets to panic it, it becomes really uh Really a mess, and 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 who knows? I mean, is that where we're headed? I mean, is it going to be a panic mode, and everybody's just oh, what happened overnight? Well, where you been? <laughs> kind of thing. And so, uh, but we, Sam's been preaching this, and I we you know we're trying to get behind him. But where you been?
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. And but this one's serious, and I'll tell you why. Even best-selling author and nationally syndicated radio host Glenn Beck is talking about this. The Great Reset. He argues that the American Way of Life will not survive the, quote, Great Reset and warns us to stop, to reverse course before it's too late. Um, even Glenn Beck highlighting this one, and what he says is set all conspiracy theories aside, there's a real effort being made here that you got to pay attention to globally. And uh, so I don't, I don't know where this all goes, how fast it goes. That's kind of the problem is when you start to put time factors on this and you know they'll do this by then nine times out of ten you get proven wrong so you got to be very careful about the timing of things but no doubt this great reset is really their end game on this um digital currency is only part of that brian right yeah
5: i've heard i've heard uh, him speak about it and so on and and uh and as he's interviewed other people and so on about it but yeah i think you're right i think uh i mean obviously you know, peace of mind is that education is, is, is peace of mind and kind of watching and preparing. I think that's, that's the key. And I think, you know, we definitely need it in this time, day and age that, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, food storage, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, gold and silver and, and, uh, you know, other, other aspects of, of preparing, it just gives you, perhaps you, you have some time to, to, uh, put your house in order or so on i mean and that's that's the key i think we just need to get to that point but obviously we've got to be we got to be aware i mean you can just see all the things that we're hit with or bombarded with of just things you just shake your head and go what how is what's going i mean how are they accusing this or that or all these things that are going on and i think ah one first god we've got to you know call upon god to to uh, help us we've got to you know have peace of mind and prepare we've got you know there's just a lot of things that need to need to happen and it's good because satan's plan is all about clutter our lives and we're so twisted and turned here that we can't move or don't know which way to go and yeah, you know, but uh house of order and get our everything in line i guess
1: <laughs> the key ladies and gentlemen is to focus on god family and country that is the solution And the best way is to turn to God Almighty and repent and get your heart and soul and inner vessel cleansed and ready to go, and then spread the love to your neighbors and to your family. And it's a spiritual preparedness as much as it is a temporal preparedness, ladies and gentlemen. So we really encourage you to get right with God and get things spiritually squared away so you can receive his guidance and whisperings. Uh, But then when it comes to, you know, personal preparedness, you know, a little bit of food, a little bit of constitutional currency, gold and silver, a little bit of medical supplies, a little bit of, you know, bullets, a little bit of this and that, a little bit of all these prep things slowly gained over time uh, is the provident living solution we would advocate for, Brian.
5: Absolutely. And we're not whacked out of our minds. or not We're not
1: crazy like, like they want to portray.
5: Yeah, I mean, we're truth. Truth shall set you free.
1: All right, there you have it. Brian Russ, thank you so much, sir. I'll tell you what I want you to think about. I think we need to create a Liberty Roundtable Live pack. If you want to get monthly, you know, what monthly, what would you do if you were to, you know, have two or three packages of dollar amounts that you could get precious metals, slowly but surely gain on that every single month in your portfolio. we got to think of some packages for that. The Loving Liberty Package, the Liberty Roundtable Package, something like that, where people could just slowly but surely gain real wealth. Anyway, think about that. I'll do the same, Brian, and maybe we can put something together, huh? Sounds great.
5: Let's do it, I'm right, Great There job. it goes.
1: There he goes Brian Russ, RussQuentengift.com. The Honest Money Report, always on Liberty Roundtable Live every week. Thanks for being alongside for the ride. Hour one of the can, hour two coming up. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic.
0: Casting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio. Show. Talk Show.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio. Hard-hitting news that network refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for February 24th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is indeed our two of two, and the goal always is to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country in the traditions of our founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And we're delighted to have our dear friend back, Mr. Pete Semp. He's president of the National Taxpayers Union... NTU, by the way, is the voice of the American taxpayer, mobilizing elected officials and citizens on behalf of tax relief. Boy, howdy, do we need tax relief? Not to mention tax reform. we got to work on that, too, ladies and gentlemen. NTU.org. Pete Sepp, welcome back, my friend. Always great to be here. All right, there's so much going on in the world. It seems like we're talking about, uh, you know, Russia invading Ukraine we're talking about the coronavirus, we're talking about the truckers, we're talking about all kind of things. But Pete, certainly people are discussing taxes, aren't they?
9: Well, yes, they are. And uh, I'd just like to give a special shout out and expression of prayers to my friends with the Ukrainian Taxpayers Association. I uh, met up with those great folks 10 years ago in 2012 during uh, a taxpayer conference uh, abroad, and uh, they hosted us subsequently for the World Taxpayers Association's biennial meeting and uh, sure wished them well during this very difficult time.
1: And ladies and gentlemen, think about that. Taxes are abusing people not only in America, but they're around the world. And let's be very clear about taxes for a second. We realize there is a legitimate need for some some taxes to take care of the proper role of limited governments around the world. We understand all that, and we accept all that. What we don't accept is the inefficiencies that enter into the system, the dishonesties and the lording over us and the ever-increasing progressive taxes uh, that seem to never end. Uh, It becomes, instead of a a blessing to have the proper role of government to protect the citizenry, it devolves uh, into really an abusive system Uh, a system that that lords over us and preys upon us. And so there's a balance that we really want to accomplish. Pete, do you want to speak to that for a minute? Because I think that's important to
9: understand. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. We believe in the lawful application of taxes. We believe that taxes are necessary for many government functions. We believe, though, that government must be accountable in the way it levies taxes directly to the people who have to pay them. Government administration of taxes needs to be fair and just as well as efficient. And overall, government must be accountable in the things that it funds with taxes. We can often debate what the proper priorities of government are. And we happen to agree, Sam, I think that the Constitution's original enumerated powers are the ideal place to start in deciding what an appropriate role for the federal government and its funding should be. But all of this is lawful discussion about how taxes should be structured and how they should be levied.
1: Not only is it lawful discussion, ladies and gentlemen, not only is it uh, an effort to create accountability, all those things are factual and true, but in my mind, the discussions all need to be with an eye on solutions, because you know what? We can divide and conquer and battle and argue and yell and scream and kick and punch and do whatever we do, but at the end of the day, what have we accomplished? And so we also want to bring, um, with the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org, not only an eye towards reducing taxes an eye towards tax accountability, an eye towards all these things, but we want an eye on, always, an eye on solutions. It's one thing to say, hey, there's a problem here, right? We want relief and reform, we get it. But how do we go about that in meaningful ways? And you know what, We, if we just complain, we don't have any credibility. If we, on the other hand, are working on solutions, providing solutions, providing analysis uh, and information and data by which to make intelligent, solution-oriented decisions, now we're getting somewhere pete
9: yeah absolutely so and that's what national taxpayers union is all about Uh, we can go on and on about massive fixes that might involve constitutional amendments perhaps uh, taking away the uh, 16th amendment's power over taxpayers and the fact that progressive income taxes are rampant across the country Those might be important goals, but we can't lose sight of opportunities that are right in front of us to try to restore limited accountable government on behalf of taxpayers and better administration of taxes. You can just take a look, for example, at the Taxpayer First Act, which passed in 2019 with a huge bipartisan margin in Congress, was signed into law by president trump makes a number of important structural reforms to the irs it's the fifth such package that uh, we have worked on at national taxpayers union since 1988 is the irs tame does it work perfectly no but each time we enact legislation like this we get closer and closer a system that is truly accountable and serving taxpayers correctly. We're not going to get there overnight, but the tools that we keep building into these laws are now paying dividends, and they're allowing us to do things like push for a better tax filing season, the third tax filing season affected by the pandemic, and taxpayers need help.
1: So let's talk about the Taxpayer First Act for a minute, because a lot of people believe that that Joe Biden has dismantled a lot of this. Uh, We know that everything changes in the IRS and now saying, hey, if you're not careful, your tax refund is going to be delayed. Um, We go on and on about this. How impactful is it still and how much or how much impact will it have going forward?
9: Well, one of the things that the Taxpayer First Act constructed was an independent office of appeals. This is an office that allows taxpayers to launch an appeal of audit results from the irs outside of the court system so you don't have to hire a lawyer you don't have to be versed yourself in tax law and procedure to go ahead and file an appeal it helps to have a professional with you as you do that but it is supposed to be an expedited process for a taxpayer's voice to be heard when they disagree with the IRS's conclusions in an audit? Well, this Independent Office of Appeals was stood up shortly after uh, Taxpayer First Act passed in 2019. It has been under-resourced, unfortunately, but it has made a difference in a number of taxpayer situations where they say to themselves, okay, the IRS is saying I owe $5,000, $7,000, $10,000 as a result of this audit. I can't afford to hire a lawyer who might charge me 5 dollars dollars $10,000 just to beat the IRS in court. I can use this process for a lot less money to prove my point and possibly get my money back. Uh, These offices are very important to have uh, not only staffed across the country, but augmented by other things that we have fought for over the years. The National Taxpayer Advocates Office, which uh, was started up over 25 years ago, has made a tremendous difference in resolving hundreds of thousands of tax identity theft cases. Uh, The fact that We allow taxpayers now to recover damages from the IRS in court if they act uh, recklessly and intentionally. That's not a perfect process, but that was embedded into the law about 30 years ago and has been modified in favor of taxpayers subsequently. This is all gradual, painfully slow progress sometimes, but we always take advantage of those opportunities because if we can help just one taxpayer out of trouble with the Internal Revenue Service and allow them to prevail and get justice, it's worth it.
1: So this, this is called uh, Office of the Taxpayer Advocate, right? And they have them all over the, the country because they're in different states, right?
9: Yes, yes. Uh, together with the Independent Office of Appeals, and the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. These are all various parts of the tax system that help hold the IRS accountable when it crosses a line in in its behavior with taxpayers. And again, there are folks out there who are going to say, yeah, but we're still very vulnerable. I agree with you, each and every one of you, that there is a whole lot of work left to do here. But we have to, again, make sure that when we have an opportunity to get a law passed that will start curbing the behavior of the tax agency and its reckless actions, we need to take that opportunity.
1: And when we talk about an office of the taxpayer advocate, at first you think, well, wow, why do we need that? That's just more government. Uh, In a way, yes, uh, but at the same time, These acts as vanguards. These acts as checks and balances a little bit. Uh, If you get rid of the IRS entirely, okay, we don't need it. Fine, which is where I would personally, uh, you know, want to see us go. To get rid of the IRS entirely, I would like to use apportionment taxes uh, and uh, tariffs at the border to pay for the proper role of government. I wouldn't have an IRS at all, uh, personally. I believe with apportionment taxes, Uh, the states could collect apportionment taxes and then pass their portion of the money to the federal government very easily. I also believe that tariffs at the border and taxes on Others who want to do business with the greatest economy in the world. Those are what I would advocate for. But we're not there yet, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a long time to go. In the meantime, when you got the wolf at your door, the IRS, right? When you got the wolf at your door, wouldn't you like an office of the taxpayer advocate to help you ensure they behave? Pete Sepp, president of NTU with me. National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org on your radio in seconds.
3: How many times do I have to tell you? I swear, it just goes in one ear and out the other.
7: Don't you understand English? Your children are probably too polite to tell you.
1: Hello, those things on the side of your head aren't turnips.
7: But they get just as frustrated when you won't listen to them as you do when they won't listen to you. Do I need to speak slower? In fact, few things show children how much they're valued and respected more than a parent's willingness to listen. Tell
3: me what she did at work today.
7: Studies show when parents listen, children develop better listening skills themselves. They also tend to have more self-confidence and are more likely to avoid alcohol and drugs.
3: Now sit down here and tell me all about it.
7: When you really listen, love is what they'll hear.
0: Thank you for sharing that with
2: me
7: from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org.
9: Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns
1: against what she once endorsed. They
9: implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean, quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, One of the
5: reasons that I left...
8: Are they explicit about that?
0: Yes, It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, One of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting I was
5: told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to
9: the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions, we're about, you know, prevention, all of these other services, I was shocked. So since you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of
0: abortions. Okay, abortion's Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They are the largest single abortion provider in our country.
1: with you live ladies and gentlemen we're talking to pete sepp president of ntu national taxpayers union ntu.org doing a phenomenal job we're talking about enacted in july 2019 the taxpayer's first act tfa is the most significant legislation to changing the structure of the irs and the tax system since 1998 we also talked about the office of the taxpayer advocate and how important uh, that really is uh, you know and i Hey, I I wish we didn't have to have these things, but you know what? It it reminds me a little bit of, of all kinds of discussions, you know, for example, you know, Hey, we don't want sex education taught in schools, but if it's going to be taught, let's teach abstinence. That's an example of what we're talking about a little bit, or, you know what? I'd love government school to be gone, but you know what? If somebody says, Hey, we can have, um, school vouchers, you can have choice. Well, not really for the money going to your school either, but Hey, it's better that at least we have school choice. It isn't perfect. It's far from. In fact, to some degree, it even points in the wrong direction, to a great degree. But at the same time, we've got to do things uh, incrementally. America didn't get broken in one day. Okay? They incrementally advanced their agenda. We need to do the same. So the office of the taxpayer advocate is fantastic, and we need more of those kind of efforts, and we need to incrementally make gains. Pete?
9: Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And I can tell you that I get frustrated with this whole process myself, having to stand by and say day after day, well, wouldn't it just be a good idea if we started with a clean slate of a tax system, design something that's a lot more rational, that's a lot more transparent, that's a lot more accountable. That's not the world we can live in, unfortunately. Uh, Here I am speaking to you, and I can actually see the outline of what's called the Netherlands Carillon, which is a big gong clock (laughs) that's uh, in a park that is right next to the Senate side of the U.S. Capitol. We are that close to the action here on Capitol Hill. And I can tell you, uh, there are many lawmakers who are saying things like, We need to reevaluate the entire tax system. We need to go in a direction of indirect taxes and apportion taxes among the states. Getting there is going to take a long time. These same good folks will tell you, as we pursue those kinds of goals, we need to also think about the here and now and what we can do to reform the system. To make it work a little better for taxpayers. I don't think that will diminish at all the notion that taxpayers want much bigger reforms. It's not like we're going to give people a piece of candy or a cookie and they'll say, oh, that's good enough. I'm happy now. No, they're going to realize, hey, we can do even better, even though we've only made a little bit of progress.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like instead of just giving somebody a cookie, eventually it's like, hey, we can make cookies, you know. And then after a while, it's like, hey, we can sell cookies too. And what you do is you back into this economic prosperity that people start to realize. That's what changes the game, Pete.
9: Yes, exactly. Once people have tools of accountability to say to the Internal Revenue Service, I think you're wrong. Here's why. And I have a process where I'm on equal ground with your opinion, that's not necessarily going to say to people, oh, the tax system is entirely fixed. If anything, it's going to open a lot more eyes and folks are going to say, yeah, we have all these protections in place, but we wouldn't need them if we had a system that at its base functioned more accountably. I think that that's what's going to be the outcome of these incremental changes. People are going to want more change, and they're going to realize, more importantly, that they can do it. The fact that you take one step means you can take another and another and another, and soon you're down the pathway much further than you think you are.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I would submit to you that this is something that we can all make a difference in, too. There's a lot of areas in government where we feel disenfranchised, where we feel like we can't really do much about it. It's like, hey, it's the way it is, but I don't like it, but there's nothing I can do. This is something entirely different. This is where you can be involved at the general government level. You can be involved at your state level. You can be involved at your county level. Uh, You can be involved at your city level. I mean, there's so many ways for people to get involved here, and a little bit of work makes a lot of difference, Pete. Yes, it
9: absolutely does. And let me point out, Sam, that we've discussed for a a segment and a half now what's going on at the federal level with the IRS. There are a whole lot of things happening at the state level, uh, very quietly almost, because there's so much news about the pandemic, and now we have the situation over in Ukraine. We have inflation that people are concerned about. But beneath that surface a lot of legislative activity has been going on in places like Iowa and North Dakota and West Virginia and Mississippi and Louisiana. Many states across this country are dramatically reshaping their tax systems. In fact, uh, just to use Iowa as an example, there are competing plans in the legislature to cut the state income tax by more than half, and perhaps Put it on the path to elimination. There are nine states out of 50 in this country that do not have a tax on wages, a broad-based income tax. We could very well see this year or next that number being added to by three, four. We may have a dozen states without a broad-based wage tax by the time uh, the the two-year period is out. Uh, ending in, say, 2023.
1: Why do you, and and I'm asking this question on purpose, why do you name specific states as taking the lead in some of this? And I think the answer has to do with the local involvement of we, the people. I don't think it just happens. I don't think they're just states that love to lower taxes. You know, state by nature likes to increase taxes and stuff. Uh, But I think it has to do with the people that are willing to get involved and take action, right?
9: Oh, yes, absolutely. In Iowa, for example, there has long been a very strong taxpayer organization there called Iowans for Tax Relief. In fact, uh, their chairman, David Stanley, and founder, um, he passed away uh, several years ago, but uh, he was part of the leadership of National Taxpayers Union. Uh, We were uh, very strong allies of his, and time after time, Iowans for tax relief encountered roadblocks to their mission. Uh, They encountered setbacks. They've attempted constitutional amendments to limit taxes and spending. Uh, They've actually backed candidates who say that they would work hard for taxpayers. And yet, once they got into office, they encountered challenges uh, from the system. And didn't get as far as they thought, but they persisted year after year. They kept working hard, and now they're on the verge of major success. They've already enacted major tax relief in the past two years, but now they have the opportunity to even more dramatically reshape the way they tax in Iowa. And, you know, again, having a citizen group there. No matter what the political trade winds might be, no matter what the economic situation might be, having that group in place, constantly watching government, constantly pushing public officials to do better on fiscal policy, that's made a huge difference.
1: Constantly reminding of accountability and transparency, and these things are critical as well. So, Pete, I've been having an internal debate with myself. What's a worse state, a state that has an income tax or a state that has a property tax? Both of them, in my opinion, those direct taxes on your income and or on your property violate the fundamentals of the proper role of government, in my opinion. That's why I don't reject taxes altogether. But I do say some taxes are more hostile, more abusive, more uh, regulatory in nature than others. Which is worse, a state that has an income tax or a property tax? Well,
9: they they both are bad ideas in their own right many times. I would say that the income tax edges out the property tax uh, in terms of severity, drag on economic growth, loss of personal liberties. Uh, You can take a look, for example, at New Hampshire, which uh, has no personal income tax uh, at the state level, uh, very low uh, consumption taxes. but pretty high property taxes. I would much rather be in a place like New Hampshire uh, than a place like New York or Georgia uh, even, uh, which has uh, reasonably moderate taxes, but on the other hand uh, has has not yet uh, tackled some of the high income taxes that plague that state. Or take a look at New Jersey, which has the worst of all taxes high income, high property, high sales tax, Uh, their economies perform terribly compared to those with lower taxes, especially lower income taxes.
1: I'm waiting for the first state to get rid of income and property taxes. That's the one I want to move to. Hang tight. We'll talk about it more with Pete Sepp, president of the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. Pursuing Liberty,
0: using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
7: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
3: Sanctions and diplomacy have failed war has begun in Ukraine as Russia has launched a full-scale invasion. Ukrainian President Zelensky confirmed that military installations around the country were under attack, and he declared martial law. He advised his citizens to stay calm and stay at home. The Army is doing its work, he urged Ukrainians. United States United Nations Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield at a special session Wednesday night.
2: This is a perilous
0: moment, and we're here for one reason and one reason only, to ask Russia to stop. Return to your borders. Send your troops and your tanks and your planes back to their barracks and hangars.
3: President Biden condemned Russia's unprovoked and unjustified attack by Russian military forces in a statement last night. Biden said the U.S. and allies are planning on Thursday to trigger the full scale of the sanctions that have been discussed over the last several weeks. USA Radio News.
0: Fever is a potential sign of COVID or the flu. And the exergen temporal scanner thermometer has been proven accurate with more than 100 clinical studies. Be vigilant and seek medical advice at the first sign of fever. Be accurate with exergen. Exergen temporal scanners available at Walmart and other fine retailers. Learn more at That's exergen.com. That's E X E R G E N.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. The greatest radio shows of all time. Frank Sinatra as Rocky Fortune. Classic Radio Theater.
7: Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The story of Dr. Kildare. The Pepsodent Show starring Bob Hope. The greatest radio shows of all time. Classic
9: Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. On this radio station or wherever podcasts are served, just by searching for Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. That's Classic Radio
7: Theater with Wyatt Cox.
3: Americans don't want the United States to play a large role in the Ukraine-Russia war.
5: A new APNORC poll
9: released Wednesday found that only 26% of surveyed Americans support the United States playing a major role in the situation between Russia and Ukraine. According to the poll, 52% said the United States should play a minor role, and 20% said no role at all. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau... I'm Tim Berg.
3: Moving forward with the fight against COVID-19.
8: Federal health officials and medical experts are mulling the potential need for a fourth COVID-19 vaccine, but many don't agree whether another booster is needed or will be effective. A senior Biden administration official tells Axios that the federal government is planning to test new vaccines, combining multiple COVID strains to determine what will offer the broadest coverage against future strains. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis.
3: USA Radio News.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Pete Sepp on your radio. We're talking about taxes. Governments always want to increase them. The people always want to decrease them. Uh, we got to make sure that we have more mojo than they do. That's all. We gotta do so peacefully, kindly, respectfully, insistently, transparently, and with accountability. Wow, sounds like a tall order, ladies and gentlemen, but nothing's too tall of an order for we the American people if we decide to get involved in meaningful ways. Well, you got a partner in that solution, ladies and gentlemen, that is the National Taxpayers Union, ready to help you navigate the complicated realities of tax reform. Yeah. Tax relief ntu.org is your partner Uh, so pete we would take a state that has a low or no income tax Uh, even if we have property tax it's better than income tax you say there's nine states that don't have an income tax right now right
9: yeah that's correct and they're concentrated in the south and the west but you'll find them in all areas of the country alaska has no income tax new hampshire tennessee florida texas even Washington State, uh, which of course is kind of a counter example because uh, they have uh, no income tax there, but also very high sales and property tax burdens and uh, certain other business taxes that make their overall tax climate uh, a little difficult to abide by. So uh, there are various examples of how states balance their tax systems, but Still, by and large, if you lead with a high income tax in your state, you're leading with your chin, and you're going to get beat up economically by states that are a lot more competitive with lower taxes, specifically lower income and often lower property taxes.
1: All right. Who are the ones, the rest of the ones that don't have an income tax? You named about six of them. What are the rest of them?
9: Well, we've got uh, Texas, we've got Wyoming, we've got South Dakota as well, and Nevada. So, uh, again, concentrated out west and down south mostly, but uh, there are a few in other parts of the country.
1: All right. How many states don't have a property tax?
9: There are zero. Every state has some kind of property tax. Now, shame on them, huh? yeah that's right and and the interesting part of this is that um there's a mixture of states with high property tax burdens but lower burdens of other tax they manage to do all right i mentioned new hampshire but then there are others with very low property taxes that you would not want to live in as a taxpayer hawaii is one of them very low property taxes but the income and sales and other taxes will simply roll you over as a taxpayer, and uh, they, they more than make up for any property tax relief you may be able to obtain. Uh, California is another example. The property tax burden is a middle, actually closer to the bottom third of burdens thanks to the Proposition 13 tax limitation measure that Howard Jarvis uh, famously sponsored uh, back uh, in 1978. But uh, that success has been limited because California has some of the worst income and sales taxes in the country and the overall tax burden makes California a tough place to live in.
1: All right. So what are your worst states and best states, California, Hawaii, and New York, some of the worst states, right?
9: Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, if, if you're looking for some of the best states from a taxpayer's perspective, as well as an economic growth perspective, you constantly which, see- which, Let me tax- stop
1: you there, Pete. By the way, believe it or not, is one and the same, right?
9: Yeah. Mostly they are. I mean- Uh, Economists will argue how strong the connection is, but even common sense will tell you that in a state where citizens and businesses are allowed to keep more of their own money, invest it, uh, use it to grow their local economies, yeah, the performance there is going to be better. There are going to be more jobs. There are going to be better uh, potentials for income growth, and uh, that generally bears out. Uh, Places like Texas and Florida are gaining in population year after year, as well as new business starts and businesses moving there. Those businesses are taking their cash, their assets, their people, and shifting them generally from high-tax states. Uh, We've seen Elon Musk in the news, for example, pulling out of California and going to Texas. Uh, That's repeated on a microcosmic scale by lots of businesses you've never heard of. And uh, even places like Nevada and Utah benefit from that. Uh, Folks say, you know, I can move 100, 250 miles to uh, a place where I can uh, set up shop, I can have a home for less money and uh, I won't get taxed as heavily. Why do I need to stay in a place like California, especially when modern technologies allow me to do business, most kinds of business at least, in almost any place in the country?
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, the top 10 most tax friendly U.S. states, you know, we got to look at that because you got to balance all this, folks. Taxes have long been at the forefront of the minds of many american adults and you got to kind of think about where you want to live in relation to those taxes and i've heard people tell me hey i'm not moving to this state because they have uh, an income tax i'm not moving to this state because they have a property tax or whatever and i think it matters but ladies and gentlemen you got to take a complete analysis of this okay you got to calculate the um taxes for a person with the average or median income 60 grand for example for income tax calculations etc and you got to kind of start with that don't you you got to look at you got to put some parameters together so that you can get kind of an equality or parity of discussion right pete
9: yes absolutely one of the better ways to do that is to take a look at what's called the state business tax climate index Uh, that's uh, compiled every year by um, an organization we respect very much, the Tax Foundation. And uh, they have all kinds of factors that go into their ranking, Uh, not only income and property taxes, but the types of taxes that businesses might pay. Uh, How heavy is the unemployment tax, for example? Uh, How do they calculate income for the basis of taxation? That can matter a lot. You know, you, you could have a 10 percent income tax rate, but uh, if you have a whole slew of deductions and credits before you apply that rate, your burden uh, might not be so high. And so they they combine this into a, a comprehensive ranking. And uh, in 2022 the 10 best states were Wyoming, South Dakota, Alaska, Florida, Montana, New Hampshire, Nevada, Tennessee, Indiana, and Utah.
1: Yeah, buddy. Now, there you go. We're 10th. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do, though, don't we? Yeah.
9: <laughs> There's still work to do, indeed. And, uh, boy, if you want to hear the lowest ones, I don't think you'll be terribly surprised, starting with the worst in the country and going backward, New Jersey, New York, California, Connecticut, Maryland, Minnesota, Arkansas, Vermont, Louisiana, and Hawaii.
1: I'm surprised about Arkansas and Louisiana, though.
9: Yeah. Well, I think that uh, both those states suffer from pretty difficult business tax systems. And in Louisiana, uh, their parish system of uh, government gives tremendous powers to local authorities to tax. And uh, that makes things very difficult for residents there.
1: Yeah, it makes the society and the economy perish. I understand. Oh goodness. (laughs) All right. So is this the top 10 most tax-friendly states for retirement or just in general or what? In general.
9: And uh, this again uh, combines individual income tax, sales tax, property tax, unemployment tax, corporate tax, and uh, several other factors into one big index. And that's overall. Now you bring up a good point, Sam, in that Retirees, for example, may have a very different concept of uh, the tax burden. You know, if uh, you own your home, for example, property taxes may be more important to you than you think because um, even if you no longer have a mortgage, the property tax bill shows up in the mail and you often have to pay that thing either in total or maybe in two installments, uh, you you can't break it out over 12 mortgage payments anymore. And uh, that can be a pretty big hit for seniors. So uh, retirees tend to look for states that are low in property taxes. Uh, perhaps they look for states where their income tax systems exempt pensions and social security, there are states that do that. And so you, you have to look for states that are particular to your situation sometimes
1: you got to also look not only of just the tax burden but you got to look at the cost of housing in other words the cost of property if i'm in hawaii or california where the cost of property is really expensive that adds to the burden too we'll talk about that with pete sepp and seconds on your radio
6: And order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So, what I'm saying is, right before the pause, we'll have Pete take off on this. Uh, You know, you got to look at the dollar amounts to a property. If I have a house that costs me 200 grand and the taxes may be slightly higher. Versus, if I have a property that's worth a million dollars and the taxes are quote percentage slightly lower, yeah, I'm still paying a lot more in the million dollar house deal too. So you got to look at the economy and what the abuses of high taxes and the abuses on the economy uh, that these kind of taxes take. And so you can't just look at property tax and isolate that or income tax and isolate that. And that's what people do a lot, but I think that you got to look more at, at this kind of broader discussion that I'm talking about. Is what abuse have these um systems had on their economies. And you look at these states like New York or New Jersey or Connecticut or California or Hawaii, and they're incredibly expensive places to live. Even if you were to look at their property tax and say, oh, it's slightly lower than somebody else's. That's only part of the picture, Pete.
9: Yes, it is. And you can't always uh, really dig out some of the hidden tax burdens that actually make that cost of living calculations uh, uh, much higher. And we often think, for example, that uh, with a new home, well, it's the value of the land. Uh, it's scarce. Lots of people want to live in the same place. That drives the value up. Well, certainly it does. But there are also other factors at play that we may not understand. Uh, for example, what's the cost to put a house up in California, irrespective of the price of land. You have all kinds of requirements for environmentally friendly materials to be used. You have all kinds of taxes on uh, construction workers uh, because they're paying high wage taxes. You have heavy business taxes on the firm that might be digging the foundation of your new house. Well, they have to pass those along and the costs they charge for that kind of thing. So this is a constant feedback loop. We often uh, don't necessarily consider that when we see uh, a housing price for $500,000. We think, ah, just a popular area to live in. It's just that the land is expensive. Well, it's not always that. There are other factors at play here, and oftentimes big government is behind it.
1: Well, and when you look at the cost of living by state or the cost of living by city, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's a lot better of an indicator, just so you know. So they use the cost of living index, uh, takes 100 as its basis, and says if if it costs 100, I mean, if it's 100 in your city or state, then you're average. If you're below that, then you're less cost of living. If you're above that, you're higher cost of living. And, I mean, the disparity in America is crazy. Some of them are down to, like, 80%, so 20% less to live. Um, Arkansas and some of the uh, Mississippi and a lot of the southern states are there. Some of the western states used to be there or whatever. Uh, But you look at New York and California and Connecticut and some of these places, and, man, they're way above. They're they're in the 200-and-something range cost of living. It costs over double, almost triple to live in some of those places and stuff like that. It really relates to salary and to reality. And so I would encourage people as people are looking for places to move unprecedentedly, people have decided to move because of COVID where they don't have to stay where they work anymore and stuff like that. So things are changing in the country big time. I think we can take advantage of this when it comes to educating taxpayers and then having them take action to have accountability, Pete.
9: Yes. And, this is going to be, I think, a hard learned lesson from many governments. And you can see it right now brewing with commuter taxes. During the pandemic, something on the order of 3 million individuals who used to commute over a state border to and from work no longer did so. Uh, you're talking about places like People uh, who live in New Hampshire, a state we were just discussing with a low uh, income and property, uh, low income tax burden, and Massachusetts, uh, that's uh, a very common uh, thing where they work in Massachusetts, a very high tax state, but they live in New Hampshire. They commute back and forth. Uh, Massachusetts wanted to uh, take commuter taxes from those folks, and they did. You find that between Kentucky and Tennessee, between Texas and Arkansas, to some degree. Uh, This happens in a lot of states. Well, three million people no longer were commuting across state borders uh, to do that during the pandemic. And uh, the states collecting commuter taxes said, well, we don't care if you're no longer coming here, we still want our money. Uh, We feel that that's incredibly unfair Uh, There was uh, a case in the Supreme Court that um, our new taxpayer defense center filed uh, a friend of the court brief in uh, the state of New Hampshire versus Massachusetts over this entire issue. And uh, it was uh, dismissed as a case because Massachusetts decided that um, they would repeal the emergency tax provisions that were uh, taxing Uh, commuters who weren't actually commuting into their state. But the issue remains because other states are still doing it. This is going to go back through the courts. And it is just one of the ways that our changing, evolving economy gives taxpayers more power and more opportunities to decide where they're going to live where they're going to work. And states can only keep doing really inadvisable things like Massachusetts tried to do for so long before they start suffering economic consequences. People still can vote with their feet at this country. They have been doing so. They've been leaving high-tax states like New York and New Jersey and going to places like Texas, Florida, and elsewhere where the business... Economic and tax climates are better states can't stop that no matter how hard they try and it's going to be increasingly difficult for them in this kind of post pandemic economy where there's a lot more remote work people no longer going into offices and a lot more mobile work where people may have several jobs or maybe working as contractors rather than employees in one fixed office.
1: What we need to do as taxpayer advocates and as taxpayer uh, protectors and defenders and whatever other words you want to use for this, um, what we need to do is really educate the states to their responsibility. What they should be doing, in my opinion, Pete, is we should really be helping them understand it's a race to the sweet spot. Hey, the first state that gets rid of an income tax and a property tax, they're going to be the place to flock to. The first state that gets um, out of the way and lets business prosper – that's the it, so we need what we need to do is have them race to the compete box if you will to say you know what and, and texas is kind of doing that already we see that with uh, as you mentioned elon musk a couple of times you know he they basically said hey you know what elon come to texas we'll take care of you buddy we got a friendly business environment that's going to be good for you and good for your employees and good for everybody else come on down to texas where the weather's good and the uh, you know economy's great and Okay, we need to have these these states competing on that. We need to really push that to be kind of the discussion because when that competition happens, that's where we start to make real gains.
9: Yes, it's absolutely the case. And we need to remember, uh, there are many folks who are probably saying, well, yeah, but I live in a really rotten uh, tax climate like Illinois. Well, you don't have to necessarily think of starting a movement in Illinois where you're totally isolated as a taxpayer. You you brought up tax competition, Sam, and that's the beauty of it. If we, for example, were able to get Iowa to uh, enact legislation that starts it on the path of eliminating its income tax, now you have Iowa and South Dakota without income taxes. There's a movement to do that in Wisconsin. Uh, They may have difficulty with um, uh, the governor there, uh, Evers, uh, vetoing such legislation, but that political situation could change. Missouri is now uh, pushing uh, a major tax reform effort. All of those states doing that at once in that region will put tremendous pressure on Illinois to finally start reversing some of its worst tax policies. They've been losing people and businesses for quite some time. That loss rate will increase dramatically if states neighboring them or directly on their border start taking action to reduce their own tax burdens. That's also the beauty of this taxpayer movement. We are not alone. We are not isolated. The actions of taxpayers in one state can benefit taxpayers in another.
1: And we the people have the ultimate responsibility for that competition to take place. We can vote with our feet. We can let them know. It was very public about Elon Musk's move. We can make our businesses and our, uh, you know, just the same. We can really advocate for this and, and force this competition to be kind of the order of the day. And I think states will come to the table, though. They're not, it's not lost on them uh, that people are traveling less to their states. People are commuting less. People are moving to the states less. California's bleeding uh, families big time right now. Um, you know what? Uh, people are, are really... Um, Unable to handle the outflux, is that a word? Outflux? I guess it is. Anyway, uh, of people, and they know it. And so now's the time to capitalize on this too, Pete.
9: Yes, it absolutely is. And it can start at the state, it can start even at the local level within your state. There are cities that uh, effectively tax their residents at a much higher rate than counties or communities surrounding them. Los Angeles, As a commuter tax uh, and an in-city payroll tax. That's one of the worst in the entire state. If you're worried about taking on taxpayer issues at the state level, you can take them on at the local level and say, look, we've got to get rid of this city level income tax or this business franchise tax that is chasing people out into the county, barely five miles from the city center. Those are things that you can start out with and build a movement that translates into city by city, and then county by county, and then statewide, and then regionally, and then nationwide. We've seen it happen before in American history. there have been several waves of the modern post-war tax revolt. There was one from Proposition 13 uh, in the 70s. There was another in the 1990s, uh, begun primarily by Colorado and its Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Where's the next wave going to start and when it's going to start? I think it's going to be in the middle of America, and I think it's starting now.
1: We also need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes they call them sin taxes. Sometimes they call them entertainment taxes, whatever you call them. They are brutal in most places, too. People don't even realize it uh, just because it's only on your entertainment and you're not paying attention as much. Uh, But it's business and entertainment taxes. That's a real huge one. And that's the one I believe that, you know what, economies will realize if they were to reduce them or become gentle on those taxes sooner than later, they would realize a huge influx in entertainment. People don't realize how that adds to even the average tax burden like nobody's business, Pete. Final uh, point, yours.
6: Yeah,
9: absolutely. And
1: the first step folks can take
9: is to simply realize You can form your own local-level taxpayer group with just a few people. We have a booklet that can show you how and get you going down that runway to success.
1: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Pete Sepp. Always a phenomenal job. Pete Sepp, ladies and gentlemen, president of NTU, the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. For Sam and Pete, God save the Republic of the United States of America.